Welcome to the Byesville Assembly of God podcast. We are a church of connection with God, with people, and our community. Join us each week for powerful messages from God's Word presented by our lead pastor, Dustin Dyke. And now, this week's message. There once lived a happy couple who had been together for decades, but after spending years together, the husband was concerned that his wife was not hearing as well as she used to hear. There were times where he would speak and she wouldn't answer. He thought that she might need some hearing aids, but he wasn't sure how to approach her without her getting offended. And so he called his family doctor and asked for some suggestions. The doctor told him to test it with a simple idea. He said, the doctor said, stand about 40 feet away from her and speak in a regular voice just as you would speak to her in a normal conversation. See if she hears you. And then if she doesn't, then reduce the distance into 30 feet and then 20 feet and so on and so forth until you get a response from her. The distance will help us estimate her requirements and just let us know what that distance is and then we can see if, you know, she might actually need hearing aids. Maybe we can bring that up at a doctor's appointment or something like that. Okay, so the next day, the husband saw his wife cooking dinner in the kitchen. So he took the opportunity to test the doctor's idea. He got 40 feet away from his wife and asked, hey, dear, what's for dinner? He waited for a response, but he didn't get any. And so he moved a little bit closer. Dear, what's for dinner? He didn't get any response from his wife. Then he stood 20 feet away from his wife and asked the same question, hoping he would get a response finally, but he didn't. And so then he stood just 10 feet away and asked, what's for dinner? He didn't get any response even then. And so by now, the husband was really getting concerned about his wife's hearing and felt awful about how bad it was. So then he walked right behind her and said, dear, what's for dinner? And his wife shouted, John, for the fifth time, we're having chicken soup. (laughs) Man. You know, sometimes we feel that the other person's the problem when it just might be us. Today, we're starting a new sermon series entitled Listening to God's Voice. And a lot of times, it's hard to interpret what God's voice is. A lot of times, we would mention that we can't even hear God's voice. There are many reasons that we want to hear from God. For instance, we want to hear from God about the answers to our prayers. That's a pretty big one. That's one of the things we want to know about. The other, th- other things are we want to hear God's will for our lives, God's will for our future. We want to hear from God about those things. And then sometimes we need to hear from God for comfort in our own life. We need comfort from God so that He will help us with the different things we're going through. There's many reasons why we want to hear from God, and it is important that we put ourselves in a position that we can hear Him. Because just as we discussed with the husband and his wife, the husband thought his wife couldn't hear very well, but it was him who could not hear well. So in the same way, we most often feel that God isn't speaking to us, but most often, we haven't tuned our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear God so that we can be in a position to hear from Him. In this series, we're going to take a deep dive into what it looks like to hear from God. But let me give you a warning. This is not for the faint of heart. And there is not going to be a turnkey answer for hearing from God. It's not as if I can give you a solution that will allow you to hear everything that God is speaking to you at every second of the day. It's not going to be a thing where all of a sudden, all of the answers to your questions are given to you. Rather, we will look at ways that other people have heard from God in the Bible, and then we will look at how to position ourselves in such a way to hear from God. So today I want to cover three things, and then you can go home, okay? Three things. Three things, and then you can go to lunch. We won't, uh, 
I want to talk about three things that, how we hear from God, three sources that we have in our minds, because there's three sources upon which every thought comes to our mind, and I want to really discuss all three of those. Are you ready? The three voices, here they are, yourself, the devil, and God. Those are the three sources, the three things that you can be hearing from. Everything in your mind, you can filter through those three filters. Am I hearing from just myself? Am I hearing from the devil? Or am I hearing from God? If we clearly define what those three voices sound like, we can have a much better understanding of what to do when we hear those voices. So we can know how to respond when different things come to our minds because we'll know how to better interpret those voices if we know whose voices they are. And then what to even do with that information when that voice comes to our mind. So first off, we're going to take the most frustrating and difficult and annoying one. It's the devil. All right? We're going to look at what the devil's voice sounds like. We're going to call out the devil this morning. We're going to peel back the curtain of deceit. The devil is a schemer. And I serve the God of angel armies who's on my side. And my plot is to come against his work with the power of Jesus Christ inside of me. So we're calling out the devil today. And we're recognizing his voice so that we can stand against it together. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 is where we're going to start off. If you can open your Bibles there this morning, we come pretty much right up to the very beginning. The very beginning, God created the world. First of all, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's where we start in Genesis chapter 1. But then we get quickly to the creation of people, and then we get to Adam and Eve that are now here. And that's where we're going to be today. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. You can follow along in the Version Bible app, or you can use the Bibles that are in the seat backs ahead of you. Um, I do want to encourage you today and let you know that if you're new here or you're a beginner to the Bible, you are welcome here. Okay, You don't have to know a ton about the Bible to be here and to learn. What we simply ask is that you would be willing to gain a knowledge of what this book says. That's all that we're asking. We're not asking for you to have even any sort of history with the Bible. We're just asking that you would be willing and say, all right, I may not know a lot about it, but I want to learn. Okay, so as beginners in the Bible, I want to share a few key things with you. We're talking about Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. So as you're in these Bibles, there's bigger numbers and smaller numbers in the, in the uh, seatback Bibles. The bigger numbers are the chapter numbers. So when I say Genesis 3, you're looking for a big 3 and then uh, number 1. In fact, in, in our Bibles, typically the first verse isn't numbered, but it's right next to the beginning of that chapter. And then, of course, all the verses are numbered from there on out with smaller numbers. So I know a lot of us are in this room thinking, why are we going through those details? That's okay. Uh, we're trying to understand more about the Bible and give our beginners a little bit of insight here on how to navigate the Bible because our biggest goal one of our biggest goals is that we would know how to navigate this book. All right, so here we are, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Okay, before we get into that, I do have a little more background. <laughs> Bear with me here. In Genesis 2, we see the creation of man. The first man's name was Adam. That's the only man on this earth. God told him that he could eat from any tree in the Garden of Eden except one tree. He said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if you eat of it, you will die. It can't get any clearer than that. And then Eve comes along, Adam and Eve are together, and then we pick it up in, in Genesis 3, 1 through 4. Now the serpent, the devil, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, and neither shall you touch it lest you die. 
But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Point number one is the devil is contrary to God. That's a pretty good filter to go through. Adam clearly hears from God that they must not eat of the tree in the middle of the garden, otherwise they'll die. And then the devil comes along and tells them, you will not surely die. How much more contrary can you get than a simple command that God has given? You will not surely die. He said, clearly the devil is coming against the word of God and telling them to disobey God. There is never, by the way, never a good time to disobey God. Even when someone else tells you to do something different. Even when it might be difficult. Even when you might be really tempted to do that thing that you want to do or someone's telling you to do or whatever. There is never a good time to disobey God. It is always in your best interest to obey God even when it's difficult. If you're going about your day and you hear something in your mind that is contrary to what the Bible says... Maybe you don't know what God's voice sounds like, and you think, I don't even know what God has said. How could I know what the devil's saying? I don't really know. If what God is saying, if you feel it's God, and it doesn't line up with the word of God, then it's not going to be God. If you've got a thought in your mind, and doing that thought doesn't line up with the truths of the word of God, then that's, that's the enemy trying to get you to do something that is not right. You can be sure that it's the devil then. Well, you might think, well, you can't just call something the devil, whenever you hear something that contradicts God, you can't, just, you can't just call something Satan if it's not God's way. Well, my response would be, then what else would you call it? What else would you actually call something that's completely in contradiction to the word of God? Let's call it for what it is. God is not going to contradict himself. If you hear a voice in your mind telling you to do something that God has clearly told you not to do, let's call it for what it is. It has to be the devil influencing you to make a wrong decision. It's got to be. It's temptation to stray you off the path that God has for you. Jesus himself talked about this when he was questioned about casting out demons in Matthew chapter 12. He says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, he said, knowing their thoughts, he's talking to the Pharisees about the Pharisees, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom is divided against himself, every kingdom, every kingdom divided against himself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. God will not come against himself and tell you two opposite things. What we have here is, is uh, uh, Jesus talking to these people who were saying, oh, you're casting out demons. You must be on the devil's side. Well, why would that make any sense? Why would someone who is a demon try to get rid of a demon and make them go somewhere else? Right? Jesus is saying that would be like a kingdom divided against itself. And if a kingdom is divided against itself, it will not stand. So we have to clearly know that if God tells you to do something and you have a feeling that you should do otherwise or you have a voice in your mind that makes you feel like you should do opposite from what God says, that's not God speaking to you. So there's two other options. If, if, there's two other options. It's either the devil or God and God is not going to confuse you by giving you com two, completely two completely different opinions about an issue. So it might be you, but most likely it's the devil. Here's why I'm convinced it's the devil. Because in... Excuse me, in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief, the devil, Satan, don't confuse him. It's the devil, and he comes to steal and kill and destroy. So let's, let's use this model, 
The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's use this model in the story of Adam and Eve that we were just reading about. In Adam and Eve's case here in Genesis, he came to steal their freedom that they were living in. He told them that they wouldn't die if they ate, so he could lure them into this death that would incur, which ended up being a spiritual death that caused sin to enter the world. And then the destroy part, he destroyed the beauty that was on this earth. Right at the beginning of time, it looks like he's been doing this for a while. So don't be surprised if you think the devil has experience. Now, I don't want to give the devil any credit. He's worthy of none. But the devil has been crafty since the beginning of time. And if there's anyone who knows how to get somebody to stray off the beaten path, it's the devil. It's the devil. We have more power inside of us because of Jesus in us. But the devil is crafty, and he knows how to get people off the beaten path. So what happened with Adam and Eve? They were lured into this. They, they were stolen from. They were told to go to a place that God said they would die. And the beauty on earth was destroyed. They ate of the fruit. They ate of this fruit. And they had some awful consequences. Genesis. Back to Genesis chapter 3, 16 and 17. And it says this. Genesis chapter 3. I took my... Sure, I took my note thing out where I was. Genesis 3, 16 and 17. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. All the women in the room, it's Eve's fault. Okay, I've never gone through it, but it's Eve's fault. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And he said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. The consequences of their actions were brutal. These consequences were absolutely awful. The devil gave them instructions that were contrary to God's. They listened to the devil because the devil gave them promises that he couldn't keep. And it didn't go well for Adam and Eve. If they had recognized the devil's voice... They wouldn't have had to deal with the consequences of their actions. Now, they didn't have wisdom in the counsel of many because they were the only two humans to be walking the earth <laughs> at that moment, okay? So there were many things that pointed against them, but still, they had clear, clear instructions from God to not eat of the fruit, and they ate of the fruit, and they had to deal with the consequences of their actions. You know, in another story, in the story of Job, the devil convinced God to take away all that Job had. And the devil made Job's life miserable by killing family of his, livestock, and so much more. The devil's voice also sounds like wishing pain and heartache upon you and, and other people. So if you feel like, if you feel something in your mind that says, man, I should cause or inflict physical, emotional, spiritual, or whatever other kind of pain on someone else, that is also the source of the devil. You might think, well, God's using me as one of his tools to bring judgment upon somebody else. Well, that's not what God asks us to be. God asks us to love our neighbor. God asks us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. He doesn't ask you to be their judge. So when we have those thoughts of inflicting pain or emotional heartache on someone else, that's not God. That's either you or the devil. And I'm going to probably guess that it's the devil and not you because you're a nice person. The devil is not, okay? So let's understand this. We need God's help in this life. 
Because we don't have it all together as humans. We need to submit our whole selves to God. Because there's nothing good going on inside of ourselves. In Psalm chapter 14, verse 3, it says this, They have all turned aside. They have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Okay, so now we're talking about ourselves. Point number two is we can't trust in ourselves. Talking about what it sounds like when we ourselves have thoughts that come to our mind. The one source is the devil, which we talked about, but the other source is ourselves. Psalm 14 just told us that we are corrupt on our own. There is no good in us without Christ. So how does this pertain to the voices we hear in our minds? The devil sounds like contradicting God. But our voices in our minds sound a lot like directing the attention on us. So kind of like this. This is what I, what I kind of interpret this as. If you're hearing things like, I'm worthless, I'm awful, I don't amount to anything, or things along those lines, there are a few sources that those can come from, yourself or the devil. And it's kind of a process of elimination game here, isn't it? We can all rule out God from saying those types of things to us, right? I'm worthless, I'm awful, I don't amount to anything. God wouldn't say those things to us. We know that God doesn't discourage us. So the reason that I would submit to us that those statements are from our own minds and not necessarily the, the devil is because they start with I. 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 When someone talks to you, they don't speak. If, if they feel like you're feeling sad, they don't say, I'm feeling sad. But you in your own mind, you are thinking, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling this. And so what we talked about, the idea of I'm worthless, I'm awful. If you're, if you're feeling those those things about I, we, me, that might very well be yourself. I'm this, I'm that. That's internal, talking about me. So we can pay attention to the way that it's worded in our minds and figure out that if it's us or not. If you're hearing, you're worthless, you're awful, well then the source might be the devil. Let's call these things what they, what they are. We're calling out the devil so that he cannot get into our minds any longer. And by the way, if you have those thoughts and you can't get out of the pit of feeling of worthlessness, please talk to someone. That's another very important point. If you're always feeling like you need to you know, pay for the sins that you've committed or you feel like you've got to make yourself feel awful and worthless because of some decisions you've made, you need to talk to somebody very soon, very quickly. Because a lot of times, I can tell you that if you're on that path of thinking, that doesn't lead to anywhere good. A lot of times, those thoughts can lead to feelings of suicide, wanting to end your own life. Those things can come very quickly for someone who's feeling things like, I'm worthless, I'm awful, I will never amount to anything. So talk to someone. You can come and talk to me, and I'll come alongside and help to steer you in the right direction. The other option is seeking professional Christian counseling to help you get on a path to freedom. That's very important. Many of you know that, I've talked about this before, that I'm pursuing my master's degree in pastoral care and counseling through Southeastern University out of Lakeland, Florida, but it's an online program. I've completed, uh, I'll be completed with my degree in August, but in the process of my studies, I've discovered that I've got some things that I need to work through in my own life. So I'm seeing a Christian counselor right now for some things that I'm dealing with, that I'm processing through in life. I'll just be real with you this morning. I am. I'm frequently going to a Christian counselor, and I'll tell you the reason I'm going as well. I'm a pretty upfront person. I'll tell you what's going on. I'll be vulnerable with you. I'm working on what to do when the pressures of life get to be too much. Because here's the thing. Oftentimes, when things come up that are just too difficult for me to handle on my own, I often let them overwhelm me to the point that I can't stop thinking about that given issue until it's resolved. 
And so sometimes that can be very debilitating to me. And I can't continue on with much else until there's a resolve. And I'm working on how I can trust God because it's really hard. I'm working on how I can trust God to have peace. That's what I'm working toward is to have peace even when things are still unresolved. Even when things still aren't resolved. That's hard for me. Maybe it's hard for you too. It is so hard for me. I'm a work in progress, but that's the difference. I'm not just a work that's staying in the same place and keeping on spinning my wheels. I'm a work in progress that is committed to getting better. So I've pursued Christian counseling. Maybe you need to pursue Christian counseling as well. If you need to do that, typically the first step is meeting with your pastor and discussing what some of those issues are, and I'm willing to meet with you. And I have many resources that can steer you in a right direction of how to best help you. The area that I've been trained in is to best direct people to the right place that they can get help. If anything, I'm kind of like the in-between between your problem and the person or group that is going to help you. I'm not necessarily going to be your counselor for a long term. That's not typically what pastors do. They're typically trained in brief counseling to help you get to the point that you might be able to move forward. But if you're not quite there in an area of about four to five weeks, then we're trained to then direct you to someone who is a Christian counselor who can help you out with that issue. Okay, so that's a very important thing, getting the help that you need. Getting the help that you need. It's so important. Don't think that you're exempt. You know, I'm not so far off the beaten path that I'm to the point that I can't even function when something difficult comes up. But I know that if I keep on that path of not having peace when difficult things arise, I know that one day I could have a situation that comes up that is so debilitating to me I can't even carry on. So I'm trying to get to it early. So just recognize, I'm not necessarily falling apart, but what I am is recognizing that I could fall apart. And if I recognize that that's a potential issue, I'm going to get help now so that I don't get to that point. You are worth it. That's one of the biggest lies that people go through when they're thinking, oh, I don't need counseling. I'm not quite there yet. You know, I'm working with a, with a counselor right now doing some practicum hours for my degree. And he tells me that typically when people come to him for marriage counseling, they're at the point that they are getting divorced and there's typically no directing them otherwise. Don't get to that point. Don't let it get so bad. If you're having issues in your marriage, just get some help. <laughs> Go to counseling. Get some help so you don't get to that point that you're absolutely hopeless. It's okay to go now. You are worth it. The money is worth it. Oh, I don't have enough money. Somehow, some way, find a way to do it. There are some free options. If you need help with that, let me know. I will help you. Additionally, the way that you can respond to times where you have lies filling your mind, this is the last voice, is the voice of God. Let's turn to Psalm 29. This is where I really want to focus on today. We've got to listen and learn the voice of God. Kendra, you had no idea I was preaching on this this morning, did you? Absolutely zero idea. And what Kendra said during the worship service, hear this closely. She said, God, I pray that you help us listen to your voice. God, help us to listen to your voice. We talk in the office and stuff, but she had no idea the new ser sermon series was on listening to God's voice. Clearly, God is speaking to us today. Clearly, this is the mode and the direction that God wants us to be going, to listen to his voice and get to know his voice more. So Kendra and the worship team, thank you for being sensitive to the leading of God because that's helping us to feel confirmed in the, the direction that God is bringing us today. Psalm 29, the whole chapter, I want to read that to you. It says this, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And quick pause here. 
because what I want to do is have you pay close attention, because what we're about to read is very important. Pay close attention to when it says the voice of the Lord. You're going to see it a lot. It's going to say the voice of the Lord sounds like this. The voice of the Lord sounds like that. Listen closely, because here it is. Uh, Psalm chapter 29, now verse 3. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice, uh, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild young ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Wow, there's a lot about the voice of the Lord. Let's talk about it. Point number three is God's voice is biblical. God's voice is biblical. You wonder what God's voice sounds like? It sounds a lot like what you read in the Bible. And again, if it doesn't line up with the Bible, it's not going to be God. The voice, that God's voice is biblical. I tried to think of any other way to describe this because how can you make one sentence about what God's voice is? But just go with this. God's voice is biblical and read the word and watch how his voice can speak to you. I'm trying, I've tried to find a, another way to describe this, but it sums it up really well. If you have a voice in your head, there's three sources, the devil, yourself, or God. And you've got to recognize if it's not biblical, it's not God. And so as for this passage of scripture, simply, wow. <laughs> you know, oftentimes I read God's word and I say, wow. And that's about all I can say <laughs> when it comes to God's word. If you've ever wondered what the voice of the Lord sounds like, Psalm 29 describes it pretty well. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty and so on and so forth. It's an interesting thing as well because it even says the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting thought. And strips the forest bare. It's kind of an odd thing to read in the middle of a passage like this. You think, makes the deer give birth? We were just talking about thunder and lightning and now we're talking about deer giving birth. Not a very pretty picture. Sounds very difficult. But listen, at the sound of his voice, things can change. I think that's what David's trying to help us understand here. This is a psalm of David. He's trying to help us understand that when God speaks, it happens. At the voice of the Lord, it happens. And so if God wants a deer to give birth, it'll happen. And God is in that entire birth process. As women give birth on this earth, God is a part of that entire process. At God's voice, things happen. At God's voice, things happen. At the sound of God's voice, the impossible become possible. At the sound of God's voice, the impossible becomes possible. We must position ourselves in a way that we can hear God's voice above all else and interpret the thoughts that come to our mind. We want answers to prayers. We want to know God's will for our lives. And sometimes God shares us those things. But sometimes we don't always have the answers to our questions in this lifetime. But above all else, we need to strive to listen for God's voice, voice and be close enough to hear it. 
Another way, Kendra, that you spoke the word of God before I opened what I'm going to talk about today. She quoted Psalm 46, verse 10. It's in my notes today. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Hear God's voice today. We need to be still before the Lord and listen for the sound of his voice. And when we're listening for his voice, there are three possible sources that might come to your mind. The devil's, yourselves, or God's. As you listen for the voice of God, be sure to interpret using the tools and the scriptures that we mentioned today so that you know exactly what you're hearing and who you're hearing it from. Kendra, would you come forward as we close today? You know, as we close, we need to talk about the first way that we hear from God. And one of the most amazing ways that God spoke to us and gave us an amazing gift was through His Son, Jesus Christ, when He sent Him to this earth. The message from God is loud and clear right now. If you're wondering, hey, what's God speaking to me today? Let me tell you, the message is loud and clear. He sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. That's a pretty clear message. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die for your sins. And maybe you find yourself today not in relationship with Jesus. Maybe you find yourself so separated from God, you don't even know the voice of God. Maybe you're so new to Christianity that all this is brand new and you're just thinking, I don't even know where to start. Welcome. You are welcome here. This is a good place for you to be. You are not alone. You are not alone. You're surrounded by people who have been serving Christ for years and years. You're surrounded by other people who may have known Christ for a few weeks. You're surrounded by people who have known Christ for maybe a year. Listen, no matter what part of the walk of this faith journey that you're on, you're surrounded by people who are just like you. So welcome. This is a good place for you to be. But maybe still you find yourself not in relationship with Jesus. Romans 5.8 says that Jesus Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That means that while he knew you were in the midst of your worst, darkest, deepest sin, he had you on your mind. He had you on his mind, brother. He had you on his mind. Can you believe that? That the same God that raised Lazarus from the dead in the New Testament, the same God that raised Jesus from the dead, the same God that raised a little girl from the dead in First or Second Kings in the story of Elijah, the same God that parted the Red Seas, the same God that, listen, you name it, you've got a story of what God has done, the same God that did those things is here for you today. And He wants relationship with you. The same God that sent His Son Jesus to this earth to die, He's accessible He's accessible. When Jesus died on that cross, the veil was torn. No longer did we need to have someone else go to God for us. But the veil was torn in the temple and opened up for us to go in and freely spend time with God in our own way. The veil was torn. The separation had ceased. And now we, years later, can walk into His presence and experience the fullness of joy. <laughs> it is amazing to have faith in Jesus. It is amazing. You might think that you've done so much wrong that He can't forgive you, and the weight of your sin is so heavy upon your heart and upon your life that you can't 
think or fathom that someone could forgive you. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wait a second. It doesn't say that you've got to be perfect. It doesn't say that you have to write all your sins down on a piece of paper and make sure that you remember every single one of them that you've ever committed. No, 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 no. Romans 10.9. This is the process. If you want to be free, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We confess Jesus is Lord. We confess our sins to him. You want to be forgiven. Today's the day it can happen for you. So this morning, would you bow your head and close your eyes and think about what God's speaking to you? Let's just have a moment of reflection today. God, speak to us today. Do what only you can do. God, our eyes are on you. Our, our attention is on you because, God, this is the point where I step off to the side. And you do your work. God, you've given me a message today. I've given that message. I believe it lined up with what you told me to say this week. And so now, God, I step to the side and ask you to do your work. Ask you to do what you can do because this is an area I cannot do. God, you do the saving. You impress it on people's hearts to give their lives to you. So, Lord, do the saving today. Speak to our hearts in such a clear way. Today, if you'd like to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, either for the first time or maybe you've been off the beaten path and you want to recommit your heart to Jesus today, would you simply raise your hand as a, as a token to say, I, I want to make this decision for Jesus now and forevermore. If you want to accept Christ into your heart, just raise your hand and put it back down. As there were no hands raised, I do want to move into a section where we reflect on the word that God spoke to us today. First of all, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you maybe are still kind of stuck and you're kind of on the in-between, I ask you to come forward for prayer because we're going to pray in just a few moments. With that being said, could we have our deacons come forward to prepare for a time of prayer? Our deacons and spouses, if you're here and available, come on forward for a time of worship and prayer. What we're going to do today is this. If you need to accept Jesus, any one of us here, you are welcome to come up and visit. We'd like to guide you in accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. Additionally, maybe you have trouble hearing from God. As we look at hearing from God... Maybe you just desire prayer that you would be able to hear God's voice better. You're invited to come forward for prayer. You know, we began today talking about a husband who thought that his wife couldn't hear him, but all along he had the hearing trouble. Maybe you're having the hearing trouble today. Maybe you've not quite positioned yourself in such a way to hear from God. This is no guilt trip. This is saying, you have an opportunity. You can't hear from God. Your opportunity is now. I invite you to come forward today. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Dear God, this morning, we position ourselves in such a way to hear from you. God, I pray that today we're inspired as to how we're going to pursue you this week. I pray that daily we will open the Bible and read it. 
God, I pray that daily we will pray. And if we miss a day, Lord, help us not to be hard on ourselves. God, help us to be easy on ourselves and not be so judgmental of our own selves. But God, help us to strive to know you more. Help us to strive to get to know the heart of God more and more every day so that we can differentiate between those three voices that are speaking to us, the devils or ourselves or God's. God, help us to be able to differentiate and to interpret correctly who's speaking to us and what to do with it. Dear God, we pray your blessing on us today. And God, as we go, I pray that your spirit would guide us. I pray that we would be disciple makers in this world around us. And God, as we head downstairs right after we're done here to do this BGMC fundraiser, I just pray, God, that your will would be done in in this Project Rescue. And I pray that these people would continue to help these people who are involved in trafficking, that they would be completely freed in the name of Jesus, that you would bless their ministry. God, as we go downstairs, help us to have this, this on our minds, that we can be a part of helping in such a great way. Pray a blessing on our lives and on our week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. We'll see you downstairs this evening. Thank you for listening this week. If this program has been a blessing to you, we hope you will reach out and connect with us online at our website at buysvilleag.org or connect with us on our social media platforms. On Facebook, it's Buysville Assembly of God or on Instagram, it's at Buysville AG. Have a wonderful week.